Attention audience. That's right. It's that time of week again. It's, uh, it's, uh, Eric, you want to remind me what it is again? <gasps> it's Friday, Friday, Friday films. Da-da-da-da. Yeah, see, this is why I don't even bother anymore. <laughs> um, that's right. Friday films, still bonding review, going strong. Um, and we will be for a while because we're not even halfway there yet. <laughs> not even but at the halfway. We're mark. enjoying every movie so far, uh, to an extent. This was a little bit harder movie. We've talked about this before recording, but we are on um, Diamonds Are Forever. I'll let you take it over from there because I know you have the the intro on the Absolutely. movie ranking. Absolutely. Or- uh, Diamonds Are Forever released December seventeenth, nineteen seventy one. In the United States. So this is the first film in the 70s franchise of Bond. Um, Which is screamed throughout the movie. It, yeah, it it's definitely 70s did. movie. Yeah, out- outfits and everything. Um, directed by Guy Hamilton, who also directed Goldfinger. Um, and will go on to direct the next two or three Bond movies as well. Yeah. Something like that. He directs a couple of the Roger Moore ones. So we'll see Guy Hamilton's name pop up again. So the okay. one reoccurring thing that I'm that we're seeing with these is if you're a Bond director, you're a Bond director for 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 several movies. Several movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like Guy Hamilton filled in for God, I'm drawing a blank on the last director's name, for for Goldfinger, but then he did all of the other ones except for the George Lazenby one. Mm. You know, and now we're back on Guy Hamilton who does this one and a couple of the Roger Moore. So it seems like once you direct a Bond, you're in it for for at least a couple films. Um, but I mean, I guess that's that's good for a franchise like that. You want some familiar uh, familiarity between movies yeah, that you could, supposedly are big movies. Yeah, it creates consistency with style with the style mm-hmm. of the film. So that's that's always a good thing. Um, of course, starring Sir Sharon Connery himself. Runtime of 120 minutes, exactly two hours. So we're kind of on par with the um, with the with the Bond runtime. The uh, outlier being on Her Majesty's Secret Service last week, which mm-hmm. was at you know what one hour and twenty twenty one minutes or something like, or two hours and twenty one minutes, something like that. Much something longer, like that, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think you said that was probably going to be one of the longest ones. Until yeah, the Daniel Craig movies, I think. It was. Yeah, the Daniel Craig ones, or one of them is a little bit longer, but till then, that's the longest. A uh, budget of seven point two million dollars. Slowly creasing there. Slowly creeping up. Um, fun. I'll I'll go ahead and dive into a little bit of trivia time since we're t- talking budget. Of that seven point two million dollars, one point five of that went straight. Spent on the cat. Went straight to Sean Connery. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> I figured it went to the cat. Yeah, because <laughs> you see the cat more in this movie. A lot more in this movie, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You see the cat a lot more. So we pretty much jump in with the classic uh, gun barrel intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, however, granted, I paid a little bit more attention to this one. I I noticed more color in the barrel part of it. I always thought it was black and white until the red came down. Um, but I noticed like in the barrel, it seemed to have some color. Like, I don't know if it was just a different overlay or something like that, but is that something that's kind of been slowly creeping in throughout the uh, previous um, movies that just I haven't, haven't been paying attention to? I haven't to? really noticed it, but that's that's possible. I mean, they've there's been small changes. Like, after Goldfinger, they started making small incremental changes to that intro sequence every time. And this one kind of seems to be... This one and the last one kind of seem to be 
where they establish the standard shot that we're going to see in the future. There might be small tweaks here and there, but that's pretty much mm -hmm. it. Where you've got the dots following Bond, the gun, power, gun, gun barrel, the blood, and then the tracing shot where it goes to a corner of the screen and then opens up into the to the scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, um. So that continues for a while, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I didn't notice any of the accents or anything on the on the barrel itself. Yeah, it might have just been what I glance up at, but, but uh. Anyway, we pretty much jump into, and this is what kind of threw me off when we talked about this beforehand, but it, it jumps into in a very aggressive revenge feel intro. Instant, man. While I was taking notes, I was like, all right, and we, we, we open to, you know, we open to a, a Japanese house and, oh my God, there's a man being thrown through the window. Yeah. And with a, the voiceover, <laughs> where's Blowfield? Yeah. Yeah. Where so, is he? And then we immediately cut to another scene of him interrogating somebody else. At a, at a casino, because it's like this. Because uh, the first guy's like Cairo. So he's in, in Cairo at a casino, and the guy at the casino table is like throwing playing cards. He's like, hit me. And then Bond grabs him and punches him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, where's Wofield? He's like, oh, talk to the, the girl or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, he cuts to her and it's like, oh, can I help you? And like, you, you see Connery pop back in. Mm -hmm. But then, like, it's not what we think when he gets to this scene. <laughs> he pulls her top off and proceeds to strangle her with it while interrogating her for Blowfield's yeah. location. Yeah. <laughs> not um, what I was expecting when this scene started. I'm like, wow. Yeah. He's, that is not a happy bond. No, not at all. He, <laughs> we ain't got no time for Hanky Panky. Um, <laughs> no. But uh, um, yeah, it was just really quick. So I literally modified my notes to montage of bond beating the shit out of people to find bluefield's location <laughs> and essentially that's what it was um and then you you finally you see bluefield uh and he's like doing some type of weird like makeup preparation uh, for a cosmetic surgery yeah yeah some type of weird preparation um and says he yeah. wants the wants the surgery completed tonight yes like sped up uh and then you you get Bond sneaking into like the the lab area or whatever where this is all taking place, and like as Bond sneaks in the you know you see the guy in the the mud slowly mm -hmm. pulling a gun up at him, <clears throat> and like Bond proceeds to you know ninja roll and pull some lever and then just Drop more drown this guy in more mud, <laughs> and then he uh, finally rinses him off to discover that it's not Blowfield, it's not Blowfield. but the real but Blowfield shows up. Yep. The real Blowfield shows up, and there's a conversation back and forth. You know, classic villain monologuing. Oh, yeah. Um, Blowfield's yep. henchmen search Bond and get... <laughs> basically, Bond keeps a mousetrap in his pocket. <laughs> is essentially what happens. I love that. I, I, lo <laughs> I love that. I really do. Because it, I, I flash back to later Bond movies where they have the little, like, oh, here's one of these cool little gadgets that uh, are just meant for when you get yourself in trouble. Yeah. Single-purpose <laughs> gadgets that will yes, only yeah. ever work in the Bond universe. Would yes. never work in real life. Yeah. Um, like I think I flash back to um, in I think it was one of the Pierce Brosnan movies. He had the cell phone with a a taser or something. Yeah, he yeah. like he like tells the guy to push the number, and he, the guy just ends up tasing himself. I'm like, that's that sounds about right. That's the yep. Bond gadgets I remember. Single purpose gadgets. Um, then Bond, pretty pretty cool moment where Bond takes out another henchman using scalpels as throwing stars. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then Bond captures Blowfield, throws him into the steaming hot muck. And Blowfield sinks to the bottom, presumably then you, dead. Then you hear this cat scream, like, horribly. <laughs> and then it's the intro. That's right. 
I, you got the Di- Diamonds Are Forever intro featuring Blowfield's cat. Um, yeah. Heavily featured yeah. in this in this intro sequence numerous times yeah. with his diamond necklace, movie, his, yeah. his, his bling collar, if you will. Um, um, yeah, the intro was a little bit different. A little less silhouette, more live video yeah. with um, <clears throat> the cat like everywhere and the diamonds kind of sparkling and standing out throughout the intro. It was, which, it was a different intro. Yeah, which you get more into. I mean, the, the more we go, the more Bond intros become a little bit more live action. Mm-hmm. They all have a little bit more of that. They all almost always have that silhouette vibe to them a little bit. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I remember that in the later movies, it was like a, one of those things that stuck with, but yeah. then other things would change on it. Yeah, but I will say I will say the song, the Diamonds Are Forever song, I, I really liked the song. I did, yes. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It's a uh, very it a really good song. Bond song. Like this it would, was. Like, this would be something like if Diamonds, if Diamonds Are Forever released in, you know, in 2015 as a Daniel Craig movie, I could see that style of song still being used in 2019. Oh, yeah, or in yeah, like... You know. I think that was one of the strongest things um, in this movie was definitely that song. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the song, so, as far as intro songs goes, welcome to the <laughs> intro song cast. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever, the current new number one. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> we didn't keep a list of the rest of them. <laughs> I gave up on that like three movies ago. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. No um, I just like hitting on the intro because intros are a big part of Bond movies. They are, man. They really are. And, and if I remember correctly, even over the last couple of years when the Daniel Craig movies came out, that was one of the things that... Um, a lot of the artists who did the Bond songs got credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those things I like kind of like hitting on just in this part of the review, just, you know, referencing the differences, but the things that stick out. Because like you said, the silhouettes will kind of stay throughout all of them, but they'll change a little bit. The songs are like the biggest part of yeah. the intro and the style. Yeah. But the song is the most important part because other than what was it, the last movie, the intros are all part of the movie. They're, you know, specific for that movie diamonds um or the other movies where the yeah. songs were written for that movie yeah the song set the theme for the film essentially exactly exactly and i think the song did a great job setting the theme and then um we'll get into it more but i don't know if the movie followed <laughs> yeah yeah the song did a great job the movie movie it was a little little back and forth that we'll get into um and speaking of that <clears throat> we agreed that up until now, this was a very aggressive revenge uh, felt movie. Uh, but uh, is it? We agree that it's also not tied into the Lazenby movie at all. So uh, no, has it kind of gives that false do, impression yeah. at first. Yeah, it has opinion. nothing to do with the events of the Lazenby film with with his uh, his 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 wife being killed by Bluefield. Has nothing to do with that. They it's they abandoned like that, that idea exist. completely. Yeah, yeah. Um. So like. This movie jumps off very aggressive and very fast paced, and the pacing of the movie kind of continues throughout. Like that, we agreed when we were talking beforehand. But um, it jumps so much, and it, it jumps so much even starting now. I mean, we started with the super yeah. aggressive intro, and then we cut to M and Bond um, in a meeting talking about a man, you know, t- talking to a guy about diamonds that are being snuck into South Africa, and we cut mm-hmm. back and forth from this meeting to two of the creepiest individuals you've ever seen in cinema playing with a scorpion and <laughs> murdering a dentist <laughs> yeah. using a scorpion, handing off, um, you know, handing off the diamonds and blowing up helicopters and murdering little old ladies in their homes. And, and essentially, I mean, it's well, a lot I mean, of back it, and forth. There, there is a lot of back and forth with this, but um, it's kind of like a collage where 
while the guy's talking to Bond and M saying that, you know, in the diamond industry, we do all these, uh, we have all these procedures in effect to prevent smuggling. Some still, you know, from time to time get smuggled out. Meanwhile, these guys are, you know, like you said, taking out the first guy, you know, there, there shows, got, um, miners smuggling diamonds out to a dentist, mm-hmm. a dentist taking them to what was supposed to be the helicopter, yeah. But these two guys take out the dentist with the scorpion. Then they take out the helicopter, and with then they the steal the diamonds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then they take the diamonds to an old lady um, and give them to her, uh, which I don't know why they did, but they did. And then It's just the like, smuggling operation. It's like Yeah, the, it is. Because the whole concept of these dudes is they're literally taking out everybody who's involved in this situation after the diamonds exactly. go. Exactly, yeah. So. Uh, and I think he, uh, one of them even mentions that. I think it was, I, I kept writing Whitman and Kid, I think, was the two guys' names. Mr. Or that's what Whit, they called Mr. Each Whit and Mr. Kid, yeah. Whit and Kid, okay. Um, so Mr. Whit, I think, even mentions about how it's funny that everyone who comes in contact with these diamonds dies. dies. Yeah. Um, but while they're doing this, the whole point of this guy talking to Emmett Bond is like, look, we know that some are being smuggled out. But we don't know why or who because they're they're not showing back up on the market, and it's our thoughts are maybe it's being used for blackmail. But we don't yeah. know who's trying to blackmail us or why. Yeah, so they're, that they're not is, showing up on the market, and everyone involved keeps yeah. dying. <laughs> so that's the reason why Bond is um, put on the case to try and figure out yeah. why. And um, Bond is recruited to go to Holland, yeah. Holland, taking the identity of Peter Franks, um, one of yes. the one of the known smugglers in this in this in this operation. Um, and Bond takes the identity of Mr. Franks um, in a pretty cool scene where Mr. Franks pulls up to yeah. to the to the airport, hops out to go in to transition his passport or whatever, and then Money Penny walks out and Bond's waiting in for Mr. Franks's car with his new identity passport and whatnot. So MI MI6 has has the real Mr. Franks and Bond has currently taken his identity. And then Bond heads to Holland via hovercraft. Now, I will say up until now because like, like I said I I wasn't sure if this was a direct tie-in with the Lazy Bees or not up until this point. I kept thinking it was with the aggressive intro and I was kind of fe- felt like that, you know, Blowfield out of the picture, you know, Bond can rest and move on to his next mission, he's kind of a little better. But the little scene there where Money Penny was like um talking to him and He's like, you know, what can I bring you back? And she's like, you know, a diamond ring. I'm like, ooh, that's kind of cold. Because yeah. you kind of see this pause where he's like, um, yeah, has you nothing take to do a tulip it, instead? <laughs> but then I realized there was no real yeah. connection at all because that never happened. Yeah. And it was just the classic money penny and bond flirt, flirt, whip yep. back and forth. So, like, at first I was like, wow, that's cold money penny. That's cold. Then I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. Wrong context. Money, money penny would never hurt <laughs> bond that way. No, no I, yeah, yeah, but uh, I liked when uh, he's like, well, he'll settle for like I think he said tulips or yeah, something. She's yeah. like, uh, yeah, yeah give sure. me something, Any, anything. <laughs> um, and then you pretty much jump on this random hoverboat, which I thought was kind of cool, but yeah. had no tie in the movie at all. As no, it takes whatsoever. Off. Brings Bond uh, to Holland, and while you know we got a couple shots of Holland going back and forth, and and, yep. and Bond going to 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 meet with meet with somebody, and we see now, that they're dragging a the, the woman from the intro's body out of the um yeah the old lady that yeah. uh, the two henchmen gave the diamonds exactly to out of the water while they're now, creepily watching from the shore, and I don't know why, but I thought the the filling story leading up to that was so out there uh like did you hear the the 
did you were you paying attention to like the tourists on the boat that were driving by as they were pulling the, oh, the yeah, woman out? Yeah. This the skinny bridge story. They're like, oh, this is called the skinny bridge because, you know, however many hundreds of years ago, these two sisters wanted to visit each other every day. So they built a bridge until they ran out of money. Therefore, it is now the skinny bridge. I'm like, what what kind of story is that? And why were they on the opposite ends of the water to begin with? Thank you, world's (laughs) lamest tour guide. I appreciate that. (laughs) Like, I don't even know what that was just kind of thrown in just for filling or what. But I was like (laughs) laughing so hard as they went under this tiny little bridge. I'm like, that's the story of this bridge. Heard. Okay. Man, I'm sure we have stranger stories in America for our bridges. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are. I don't even know how true that story is. I just thought it was kind of odd and thrown in there. And then, of course, you get the woman and then the, the two guys creepily mm-hmm. staring. And then you uh, you get Frank or Bond impersonating yes. Frank showing up at his location. Yep. Bond arrives at Tiffany Case's home. Um, I kind of like this scene, little, little back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. Tiffany was expecting Mr. Frank's, you know, he's, he's going to help her smuggle, smuggle in the, the, the diamonds into Los Angeles. Um, but she kept, you know, she offers him, offers him a drink, you know, takes his drink to give get him some ice, you know, com, you know, pulls his fingerprints off the glass and compares it with what she has on file yep. for Frank's all while every time she comes out, she's not only wearing something new she's got a different hair color yeah she keeps like changing her style <laughs> exactly um finally after the at the after the fingerprints match up uh she she gives bond the information and the job of smuggling the diamonds into los angeles um mm-hmm. bond calls q have they have a little conversation where, where bond thanks q for the fake fingerprints they worked great q informs bond that the real franks has escaped um custody and is currently on the lam bond immediately hangs up and rushes back to tiffany case's home knowing that frank's will be that heading will be heading up. there next uh bond impersonates a a, a dutch person a dutch another what's the name dutch i just think it's dutch yeah sure bond interprets <laughs> <laughs> or not interprets um impersonates, impersonates a dutch person which i thought was rather rather humorous humorous um, it was kind of funny. An elevator fight in ensues, um, going back and forth. Frank's honestly is a better fighter than Bond throughout this whole scene. Yeah, I, I just say that was pretty impressive fighting, and the fact that they we now have an elevator fight scene, which I don't think we've had up until Not have, now. Haven't had an elevator and, uh, fight. Yet. I don't think we'll see one again for a while. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, lots and, of elevators again, in this movie. Props to uh, new fight sequences. Yeah. Yep, go go fight scene in an elevator. <laughs> Very innovative. Um, yes. But throughout this fight se- sequence, Franks really does have the upper hand until Bond grabs a uh, uh, fire extinguisher. Because, yeah, it falls out, or they roll out of the elevator into like a, a higher floor. Yep, and into he, a hole. Frank had like a piece of glass on him he was using as a knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, knocks him out, throws him over the balcony, um, presumably killing Franks. Like how um, he threw him over only one floor. Yeah, yeah. Like Lance, he tosses him over the rail, but he just happens to land on the floor yeah. down, like underneath it, not all the way on the base floor. He lands on Tiffany's floor. Tiffany had had seen this fight, so Bond and Tiffany pull pull the real Franks into her into her apartment. But um, not before Bond. But not before the yeah. IDs. Bond switches swaps his own idea with Franks, um, and continues the charade of him being the real Franks and being like, I don't know who this man is, but he's been following me all day. Tiffany checks the ID on Mr. Franks's body, and it is Bond's ID. And with mm-hmm. which she responds to is, "You just killed James Bond." People aren't this <laughs> calm when they was? kill James Bond. 
Um, <laughs> uh, there's a couple little back and forth here, and then we cut to a scene where Bond boards the plane with Mr. Franks's body. Um, yeah, because uh, I think he finally gets the location of where the diamonds are, and it's like a little chandelier. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the diamonds I, are I in the chandelier that, was... that were dropped off by the old woman earlier. Yep, yeah. um, and I laughed how it was. Uh, I, Bond made some comment about something about like how we'll have to. Uh, Frank's gonna start having to carry his load or something around here, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much how they use to smuggle out the diamonds. Yep, they use Frank's body to smuggle the diamonds out, but not before we realize that the creepy guys, Mister Kid and what to get, what was his name? What? Uh, Whit, 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 or yeah, Mister Whit. I kept saying Whitman. But I think yeah. it was Whit. Mister Whit and Mister Kid, creepy guys one and two, are on the plane as well. Yes. Um, upon landing, Felix Leiter, CIA specialist, Bond's good old buddy. Agent Girly Glasses himself, Agent Girly Glass himself. <laughs> meets Bond at customs with the body, um, clearing him through. You know, he knows what the mission is, blah, 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 blah. Um, the body's loaded into a hearse and taken to a funeral home where the body is burned. Mm-hmm. Um, Bond is given an urn full of, full of, full of diamonds and uh, instructed to go to this area in the gravesite, you know, where the drop off. We, we realize that this is all yeah. part of the smuggling ring. This is all part of the, yep. the drop off, and Bond's just playing his playing his role and going with the flow type deal. Which is actually kind of pretty clever for, I guess, diamond smuggling run. I mean, yeah, absolutely, because the diamonds aren't going to burn in the incinerator. Yeah. Um, I, give him, I give, him, give him credit for that. Absolutely. Um, but. Mr. Wit and Mr. Kid are also at the funeral home. Um, like everywhere. Exactly. Bond you know, put, puts the urn down and takes money that's waiting at this little altar area. But he is knocked out by Mr. Wit and Mr. Kid, who proceed to attempt to burn him in the furnace. Horrible nightmare scenario where you wake up mm-hmm. in a coffin and the coffin's hot. Not a good place to be. No, um, no. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of everyone's nightmare. So Bond attempts to, he's kind of, Bond's kind of freaking out right now, not really sure how to get out of this. And all of a sudden, the top of his coffin opens, and there's the funeral director, and I'm going to refer to it as the undertaker, um, the funeral arranger's henchmen, are there interrogating him about the fake diamonds. Yeah, like, where are the real diamonds? Where are the real diamonds? And he's like, well, where's the real money? Because the money was fake too, apparently. Well, and I think the reason, because they're like, why, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, I doubt you would burn 50 some thousand dollars because it's still in my pocket. Yeah. So obviously something's not right there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Bond is rescued, rescued by the funeral conductor. Um, And then we cut straight. Gets out and walks away. Yep. Bond talks, Bond orchestrates the, uh, the acquisition of the real diamonds with Felix Leiter and then proceeds to hit the Vegas strip. Yes. Now, and I think he goes to, I, 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 I skipped over this to, to find the connection, but I think he goes to try and find, the, they call him Tree. Um, and I don't remember if he was one of the guys at the funeral home. Like, I forget he, how he looks like the is, same guy that was at the funeral. Was at the, yeah. That's what I yeah, was Yeah, not thinking. the funeral director, but the other guy. He looked to be the same yeah. guy. So, who I think was like the mastermind behind it, essentially. Yeah, who, um, who also happens to be <laughs> a, a, a Vegas stand-up comedian. Um, so yeah, Bond goes to meet him, but oh no, Wit, Wit and Kid, aka mm-hmm. Creepy Guy One and Two, are here. So they proceed to do what they do best and tie up loose ends, killing 
Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, yes, they, they kill everybody, it yes. seems. They come in contact with. But they always have some type of witty comment. Yes. Every time. Almost and, like, like they I were write... named after that, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Because <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't write any of them down or anything like that. But uh, I, I know, like, every time they have something funny to say. And it's like a pun or something. Yeah. I'm just like, hmm. I was it, like, these almost remind me of uh, Bond's comments all the yeah, time, but the got, villain side of it. It got, I liked it, but it did get a little old towards the end. It did, yes. Yeah, it was it a little did, too much. Yeah, like having them do it every single time turned them from what could be a very creepy and intimidating henchman until a comic relief henchman. Yeah, you know? it, and, and like, I, like I mentioned in the beginning, the tone of this movie jumped so drastically. It, it was like a really weird roller coaster. Yeah, it was like I mean, super it, aggressive and then all right, nothing's going on, it's kind of just free flowing and then it's comical and then there's some action and then it's comical. Like it was all yeah, over the place. It essentially became an action comedy um mm-hmm. for the for the rest of this film, you know, with with various highs and lows, but it essentially became an action comedy. Um but anyway, after the funeral man the funeral guy is is killed, um Bond is is gambling at the table and meets with Plenty O'Toole at a craps table. Um the first, you know, American Bond girl. Mm-hmm. Um, Bond, you know, flirty, flirty back and forth. Bond takes plenty up to his room where the gentlemen from the hearse are waiting for him. <laughs> and I have to say, I really like this scene. It was one of the few things that stuck out to me with their introduction. Like, they come into this dark room. Um, Bond removes, she... removes her dress. Yeah, and then, like, she walks off into the, uh, like, the bathroom to, I guess, freshen up or whatever. And as Bond walks in, the, out of the three hearsemen, the first one, you know, or Bond turns on the light, and the first henchman is just sitting right there with a the gun pointed mm-hmm. at Bond. And then the second one clicks on his light on the left side of the screen, and then the uh, the third one clicks his light on the right side of the screen. So it was kind of like one, two, three, and Bond's yeah. just like, "Oh, okay." Like, right, I then. thought that was really neat trick on how they presented them. Mm-hmm. Like the, with the shadows and light, I thought it was really, really cool as far as a visual effect. It was pretty and neat. I'll I give you that. I think that's pretty much the only one that stood out in this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of like cool, like, eh. Well, you know, there's so much that, back and forth that was hard to keep up with if there was any good transitions or anything. And it was all over the place. Being a 70s movie, we're, we're already transitioned to a different type of filming. Yeah. Um, with, you know, visual effects and even on your side when you talk about the audio effects and stuff mm-hmm. like that, some of the voiceovers they used in the beginning of the movie, it's already a different style than it was in the previous Bond movies. So it's hard to kind of grab um, the different things that stick out, which I knew it would as the movies continue on. But this was one of them that was like, that is still a really neat, cool, simple, easy, cost nothing trick to make yeah. a visual pop. Um, so I really liked it. That. that one stood out the most in this scene. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That was it was it was a pretty neat intro for henchman waiting, but what's even more interesting is after this, plenty of plenty of tool re- returns from the bathroom and is surprised to see these henchmen. The henchmen proceed to grab her and throw her out of a window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where she lands into a pool. Bond comments with, you know, that was a pretty good shot, and the henchman was like, no, there was a pool down there. So yeah. they were just straight gonna <laughs> murk this poor innocent woman. Um, Bond turns around and has they they are s- creepily sauntering out of the room, which confuses Bond. 
Yeah, because um, he punches the the guy who makes the comment about not knowing there was yeah. a pool down there when they threw her, and then the other guys just drag him out of the room. Yeah, they so just Bond's leave. Like, huh? That's weird. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bond continues into his room and finds finds the person of, of Miss Tiffany Case who is awaiting his bed, asking about the real diamonds. They have a little conversation back and forth, and we have, ladies and gentlemen, our yeah. first sexy time of the movie. Of which I'm pretty sure this is the only Bond movie. We'll get into it a little bit later. That he only has sex with one woman. I th- I think so because I don't recall <laughs> any other time because you know the first woman was thrown out of the window. Yeah, even the last movie where he was he became married, he had sex with multiple women. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I uh, know, right? Uh, but anyway, post-sexy time, Bond sends Tiffany to the circus casino um, where he says the di- the real diamonds are. Felix and Bond are tracking her throughout this event, and an elephant wins at slots. I know. I've heard that, too. Like, <laughs> I, like as they're doing this cool like handoff where Case is like, I don't know what's going on, but Felix has this whole operation to play where it's like, oh, she's going to play cards. Go ahead and send in her signal. Yeah. Why don't you play the water balloon? Oh, okay. Elephant yeah. wins the slots. Yeah, various stunts back and forth that leads Tiffany around this casino until she finally gets the the teddy bear full of full, full of diamonds. diamonds. Yeah. And as she's leaving, the elephant wins slots, which was a I, completely unnecessary scene. But, but did you see how happy that elephant was? He was ecstatic, man. I'd be yeah, too. He was like, I won. And he's looking and it's actually all elephants across the, yeah, the slot yeah, machine. I'd be excited too. Way to go. Now, Way to go, I Dumbo. Feeling, I have a feeling this could be Q's elephant. We'll get into that later. Though. We'll, we'll dig into that later. Yeah, yeah. This elephant was trained by Q. I'm sure of it. I'm sure um, of it. So anyway, I like how she gets out of this um, circus. Like she goes into the room where it's like the the, uh, the stage presentation of the woman turned yeah. into the gorilla. Yeah. Which was my only other, I think, cool visual trick, which is just a transition mm-hmm. using lighting and I'm yeah. sure uh, editing skills and stuff like that. It was a very basic transition but cool because it created that effect at least for the little kids and all if mm-hmm. you were actually there to make it appear like she turned into a gorilla yeah <clears throat> didn't fool miss case though <laughs> no um but she escapes and felix loses her um bond is a you know bond bond meets her at her house after felix calls and goes yo listen we're sorry we lost her um Bond wait, yeah, because I think Bond went to the rendezvous point yeah knowing that she wasn't going to be there but just in case yeah. he's like oh, let me guess you lost her yep Bond goes to her house and and, and awaits her re- arrival where there's a woman wearing one of her black wigs dead, sunken at the bottom of the pool, mm-hmm. presumably killed by Mr. Witt and Mr. Kidd as they like to clean up loose ends and Tiffany Case was one of the last loose ends they had. Um, Bond pretty much picks up on this while they, you know, listen, they were trying to kill you because everybody who's on this thing dies. That's kind of the point, yeah. you know. Um, which is the the... Only Bond movie so far that that is the golden rule of the only key the key to a perfect crime is everyone's dead but you, yeah. <laughs> Which they're Very following, true. they're following that that perfect crime technique here perfectly. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, the girl in the pool was the one that was thrown off the balcony that Bond met at the casino. Oh yeah, probably. I didn't even. I'm pretty sure even, it was. I didn't even pick that up. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. That's that was that was her. Because I think it was what Bond said, 
because um, Bond, uh, I love the entrance. Like she gets to her house and Bond's just chilling there reading a magazine while she's just, the other girls just floating in the pool. Yeah, or not and, floating. <laughs> well, well, I mean, like <laughs> tied drowned, to the bottom of you know the pool. I mean? Yeah, but her wig and all that's floating. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I thought he mentioned some comment about how it was the other girl. Um, I don't know why she was there. To be honest, I can't remember all yeah. that. But essentially, mistaken identity. So she took the death instead yeah. of. Again, case. so much back and forth. But the point is, yeah. they're after her as well. Um, then we, you know, we're basically tracking down the diamond teddy bear, um, which is being transported in a van. Um, Bond yep, and, and they, Bond uh, and Tiffany are following this van. They stop at a gas station, and throughout this, <clears throat> Tiffany creates a distraction, and Bond sneaks on the van. Mm-hmm. Um, the van arrives at the underground lab of WW Tektronics. Um, Bond proceeds to sneak his way in, having a delightfully casual conversation with um, uh, Mr. Klaus. And I want to hit on this real quick. This was something that I missed in the beginning of the movie. Little spy tactics that I always mention in other reviews. The little things like this, like misdirection um, mm-hmm. and uh, distractions and all, are oh, yeah. like the perfect classic sky t- or spy technique that... I always look forward to in Bond movies, no matter how big or small. Like when <coughs> him and Franks had their little fight on the elevator. Yeah, before, right before it kicks off. Yeah, you see Bond, and you don't realize at first, but Bond's like making out with someone, and it's just doing that whole mm-hmm. like I'm making out with myself type trick, but it looks like I'm making out with someone yeah. else. Like I was like, I laughed at that. I'm like, that's a classic spy move that <laughs> you don't see that much anymore, but it's hysterical. That yeah. works. And yeah. then like. His small talk with this guy, the guy puts his passport in and he's, you know, Bond pretends to do it while the door is still already open. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just through distraction. They both sneak in. Like, yeah, it's that if you act like you, it's great. if you act like you belong somewhere, no one questions that you don't, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was clever, but it's these little things like, and Bond does it in the next scene too. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I thought that was a nice little reflect of no gadgets, just, uh, spy technique mm-hmm. that I like hitting on in these movies because oh, yeah. that is part of who Bond is. He's a spy. It's not just the gadgets. It's not the flirtiness with the women and all. It's his spy skills that also help contribute to the mission. Yes. Um, so upon sneaking in here, him and Klaus part ways um, after Klaus gives him a radiation detector to put on his suit. Um, Bond takes a lab coat and sneaks into the top secret facility where Dr. didn't write down his name yeah, I forget what is working on a satellite. And this seems to be where the diamonds are going. They're using, using the diamonds in the satellite for as some sort of lens, essentially. Um, Bond's wandering around here and imp- impersonating the real Klaus um, as part of like an investigation to, to check on the radiate, make sure everyone's radiation badges are working properly. Um, Meanwhile, Bond is, you know, spying on things here and there. Um, Bond leaves right before the real Klaus shows back up and is instantly outed because shit kicks off yeah. as Bond is hiding hiding behind a moon set I, I, for some I am strange so reason. I'm so confused at that scene. I'm like, it seemed familiar. So I think this is one of the scenes I've seen on TV in the past. Yeah. And like, it made, I was like, I remember the scene for some odd reason. Uh, but that, this whole part of the movie comes like, out of nowhere man it makes no sense and i was like this is one of the downfalls i'm like okay like i like how he's just hiding behind a rock the they're doing this whole like thing where the guys are on the moon and like moving real slow like there's no space yeah. 
or, or no gravity in space. And all of a sudden the cops walk through the door like, oh, he's over behind that rock. Yeah. So Bond just proceeds to run by the space guys who are still in slow motion. Like there's no gravity trying to catch him and stop. Like, really? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bond then steals. It gets crazier, ladies and gentlemen. It gets more intense. Wait for it. Bond then proceeds to hop in the moon rover that is on set. <laughs> Props and, to a new chase scene. And drives it through the wall, through the desert, <laughs> with security cars chasing him. Tow. Who are the worst possible drivers <laughs> yes. because they crash for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> One after another. One after another. And what they, happens? They missed driving school day oh absolutely 100 percent. but what they realize is oh my god apparently our drivers are so bad at doing this we have to send out the elite squadron yeah because you know bond is you know a crazy incredible uh moon buggy driver. moon rover driver that we did not know but again props to a new chasing because we've had planes in custom briefcase airplanes oh yeah we've had other random types of car chases involving helicopters and oh, magnets yeah. we've and never we had a, a moon river though no <laughs> no we now. now have a, we've even had a uh circuit course in the snow race Absolutely. track um yeah chasing ski chasing yep um elevator fights yeah uh, but now we have a rover chase so props to the new chasing right. i give you props to Can, that. as little sense as it makes props <laughs> it makes no sense at all <laughs> Uh, but we break out the elite squadron of, of chase vehicles. The fat wheeled three wheel mini bike. Yeah, I was so confused. I kept calling them three wheels. I'm like, oh, they're the old school three wheels. I'm like, but they kind of seem smaller than they should. Because they are so much slower than the cars and so much slower than that moon rover. They will absolutely <laughs> be able to absolutely be able to catch it. But fear not. Because these three wheeled mini bikes are driven by the most elite fighting force <laughs> that WW Tektronics has seen. The most elite security henchmen you can imagine. So, these, these mini bikes, they've got the advantage. They're going up and over the hills. They're going left and right. They're streaming around corners. And then all of a sudden, the lead henchman takes a tumble off his bike. <clears throat> now... Before he falls, he's doing a very good job riding on this cliff over the rover. That's right. Keeping an eye on Bond. Like, he's got him in his sights. He's got him in his sights. He's not letting this man escape. As I said, the three-wheeled minibike squadron is the most elite fighting force that WW Tektronics has money to buy. Which is funny because there was only three of them to begin with. There's only three of them to begin with. Three wheels and three 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 entries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we operate in groups of three here. <laughs> And you know who, the henchman that fell over, you know, the lead henchman that fell over. Had Bond in his sights. And had Bond in his sights was none other than Frank himself. Frank's back. Old Frank, ladies and gentlemen, after so many surgeries and so much time spent in a coma and recovering his body from slamming into the side of a tree at Mach 7 on skis. He recovered. Him and his family, they moved away from the mountains. <coughs> they wanted to seek, search out a new life in the new world of America. 
In the desert. <laughs> so, they moved to Sin City itself, Las Vegas, Nevada. You know, old Frank, he's kind of tired of the henchman thing. He keeps getting roped back into it. So, he starts a, he starts a, a, starts a life as a, as a blackjack dealer, you know, at Caesar's Palace. And he's working there as a blackjack dealer. You know, he's dealing cards, slinging cards all day long. But it just, he's making good money. He's making good tips. His wife and kids are, are really enjoying their time in, 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 in the, the desert, the dry desert environment as opposed to the ice cold winters that they had in, in Nor- or Norway or Sweden or wherever they fuck they were in the last movie. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Sounds right. Um, Switzerland. That's where they were. Switzerland. <laughs> they were in Switzerland. That's right. I just remembered. Um, enjoying the nice, you know, the, the nice dry heat of the, of the desert. But Frank is unhappy because his, his true calling is working in the tech in- industry as a henchman. So as we know, Frank has experience in radiation. He has experience in, in, in uh, allergy therapy as working, working with um, Blowfield in the last movie. You know, he is one of the most experienced and educated human beings on earth from both a henchman perspective and a technology perspective. So what better place for him to work than the newly opened WW Tektronics, who are developing a satellite for some unknown reason. And boy, Frank knows that anything that's being developed for an unknown reason pays really, really well and has a great 401k program, you know, great health benefits for his wife and kids. You know, even though moving to the desert was better for them, better for them, the dry humidity, their their kids aren't used to it, so they developed a bit of a cough. You know, it's a little Mm -hmm. dusty in, 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 in Nevada. So they're probably he, really hot. Yeah, he needs a good health. Change. He he needs he needs a good health program for his kids to mm-hmm. kids to survive in this dry human. So he takes up this job. He takes up this job. He helps work on the satellite for a little bit, but then he realizes that you know what's really fun? Three wheeled mini bikes. That's what's sure. really fun. Adventure sports. That's fine. adventure sports. So he develops the hobby for adventure sports, and headlines, or streamlines, or or. Um, Show runs, whatever you want to call it, leads the new program program for elite elite security for WW Tektronics, the three wheeled mini bike squad. He trains, he recruits these gentlemen, guys he's known from the henchman field of past, his buddy Billy, his old guy, his old bud Phil. You know, he recruits them to come and help him run the three wheeled mini bike squadron. And here's his chance, ladies and gentlemen. Oh boy, Frank knew it was coming because everywhere Frank goes, Bond seems to show up. <laughs> it's true. So Frank was ready. He was ready this time. He knew Bond was coming. He even knew Bond would be stealing the 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 moon bike, moon buggy. <laughs> the moon bike, the, the rover. Exactly, the moon rover. Frank knows these things. He's he's worked with this man. He knows the inside of Bond's head. So he proceeds to lead the mini bike cruisers out, mini bike squadron, out chasing Bond through the desert. Keeping his eye on him at every time. Forgot my place in my story for a moment. <laughs> Keeping his eye on him at every turn. But Frank makes yet the same fatal error he did in the last movie. Frank, off a cliff. Frank loves himself a shortcut. And every time Frank tries to take a shortcut, he fumbles and falls. But it's not too late. 
Frank did not hurt himself. So Frank okay. proceeds to get up and get back on the bike as his fellow yeah. mini bike squadron continues to change the moon buggy into the distance. But as Frank is cranking up the bike, who comes up behind him but none other than James Bond himself, who had hopped off the moon buggy and left it running in the distance as a false distraction while he hid behind the cliff waiting for his opportunity to strike. So Bond proceeds to throw Frank off the mini bike and hop on it and take it off into the distance himself. And Frank is left there, mini bikeless and ashamed that he failed once again to capture Mr. Bond. Poor Frank. Poor Frank. Frank is the is is such a sympathetic character in this movie. You really feel for him. It's, you do. Uh, you really do. It's. I mean, these movies are really the tale of Frank and mm-hmm. the injustice that this man James Bond has has wreaked on his family and and himself. Mm. Um, and I think I, Bond was our hero. I I really <laughs> hope that um, that Frank's able to recover from this uh, in uh, this injustice that's been done for him. Um, mm-hmm. And it's gonna uh, be a stressful. It's stressful a stressful job. time. And I like to think that that Frank will return in the next Bond movie. Oh, he'll be back. <laughs> he's not going to let Bond defeat him. After everything he's gone through, he'll be back. He's he's no. <laughs> With that being said, though, Bond takes the bike and continues to ride out to where I guess Case and the I think it was a Pontiac. Uh, it's a Ford, it a, Ford Eagle One. Oh no, it was something a, like that. That's right. You're yeah. right. It was Ford. I I remember glancing. At it, I just I never wrote down what it was. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very popular Ford during that time. Yep. Um. So they, he, you know, they proceed to leave, and you get the original poorly uh, driven cop cars with all the you know police standing around them, saying, "Better call the sheriff." Let's call the sheriff and let him yeah. know that there's a red Ford going into Vegas. And there's a Which, bad guy in that Ford. I have to say, I, I liked the the main sheriff through all of this next scene more than I enjoyed the whole scene. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> He's kind of the Mr. Magoo of sheriffs, though. <laughs> he was, and that's the you only know, reason why I enjoyed him. Yeah, he's kind of the Mr. Magoo of sheriffs. Um, but yeah, the, the Bond, uh, the Bond, Bond and, and, and Tiffany... The drive-by, the sheriff recognizes him, and then an all-out police chase uh, ensues. Horrible police chase. Horrible. The Las Vegas police, thank God Vegas is called (laughs) Sin City and everything is basically legal there, because these police are unable to enforce anything. (laughs) He takes, I don't even know how many, 20-some, 30-some cars, and literally traps them all in one parking lot and still gets out. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, throughout this chase sequence, I will. I, I. I. would like to note that you know, the citizens of Las Vegas. This must happen a lot because the citizens of Las Vegas are very polite when it comes to chase, you know, police chases, where they just stand in a line on the sides of the every single road, just watching the chase happen. No one's in the road. No one's moving. Everyone's just stationarily watching this chase scene happen. Um, Nope, it's our afternoon three o'clock chasing. Absolutely. So so props. It's like it's a, it's like it's its own Vegas show. You know? <laughs> they probably thought it was. You know, is it three p.m. today? You will have the infamous Vegas car chase occur on Main Street and Fourth. Um, so if you want to watch the infamous Vegas car chase, 
be on Main Street and 4th, line up politely at the side of the road, wait for your turn. Trust me, everyone will get a shot at the car. It's going to be driving around here, driving around this parking lot for the next 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> so everyone just wait, and it'll, it'll pass your pass your road soon. Um, yeah, Free I mean, show, no emissions. God love it. Um, um, but anyway, Bond escapes by leaning the car through a gap. Kind of kind of cool moment. So he leaves a parking lot by like hitting a trailer ramp and doing the classic Dukes of Hazard over some other cars, Absolutely. which the pursuing cop cars somehow do the same jump, but instead land in the middle of the parking lot. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it was great. Um, well, they're not. What I like. No, yeah, no. <laughs> but what, what I like is it, it cuts back to the sheriff and he's like, I forget what name he kept saying. If it was like Jim or Jed, or Jed, I can't remember what he said, but he was like, Jed, are you there? He's like, did you get him? I think he got. I think I think Jay got him. Jay, Jay yeah, he got him. He got him. And then meanwhile, the, his partner like behind him is like, uh, sheriff, sheriff. He's like, no, 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 no. He's got him. Yeah. He's got him. He's got him. He's yeah, he's got him. Like he didn't answer you at all. What makes you yeah. think that he got Bond? <laughs> meanwhile, there goes Bond in the red car. Like, oh. So then the sheriff's all pursue him down a dead end road. Down a dead end road of which Bond's like, there's no dead ends in my in, in my <laughs> no, world. No. So he proceeds no. to hit a ramp and lean the car, riding two-wheel riding this car through the tiniest of, 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 of gaps. Alleyways, yeah. Alleyways, and out on the other side. Police car attempts to do the same and immediately crashes. Instantly. <laughs> I have to say, I have a feeling that there must have been something going on. Maybe there was another show that day, and they all missed driving school. Every single car in this movie that is not Bond's car, every single one of them instantly wrecks, crashes without Bond doing anything. <laughs> I know that's the best part. He does nothing, and it, it almost is like Bond gets annoyed. Like towards the end of this chasing, he's like, "Really? What is up with you guys? You guys are chasing me all over the place. You can't do anything." He's like, "I do a couple of maneuvers and you're gone." Las like, Vegas. Why do you keep following? Me? Las Vegas henchmen just don't hold up. No, um, <laughs> they are on the bottom of the henchman list. But anyway, we 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 are back at the hotel room with Bond and and, and Tiffany. Felix shows up at their hotel room, um, talking to Bond for a little bit and puts guards on the room because you know Tiffany technically is a bad guy and they're not really mm-hmm. quite sure where her allegiances lie. She insists that she's on the uh, on the side of good now. However, um, Bond exits out the out the window and rides. On top of an elevator up to the very, very tippy, tippy top. Do not remember why he was trying to go to the roof. I, I have no idea. This whole scene, while cool oh, as it so, is. <clears throat> so the whole point was that uh, White, who is supposedly like the the main person behind the curtain, yes, is the one who yeah. owns the company that he was in earlier yeah, with that's the right, Rover that's right. Track and Race. Um, the one who owns like the whole building, the casino, it lives in the penthouse at the very, very, right. And has, hasn't been seen in five years. Yes. Yeah. And Felix locks, technically locks both of them in the room and says, Hey, our mission is to stay put for now. Do not do anything. Yeah. I'm sure you can find some way to entertain yourself. Like you normally do. Visa v- sexy time. Yes. He's like, I have people on both doors, so you cannot leave. Yeah. And what does Bond do? He goes out the window. He leaves. <laughs> and I love how he just like takes a flower, puts it in his pocket, and casually walks to the top of the elevator. It just happened to be on his floor. Yeah, yeah. And just stay, rides the top of the elevator all the way up. Yep. And then using some cool gadgets, some grappling hooks, you know, he gets himself over and actually climbs onto the the top roof. 
um, kind of um, sneaks through, like, and just happens to be an unlocked, open skylight, giant sky, you know, skylight into what I can only presume is, or is in purpose was the private bathroom slash mini control room is what I called it of this guy's, which I kind of dug. I thought it was kind of neat, a little overkill, but kind of neat. I'd 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 shit on a toilet that like that that was shaped like a throne. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but not just that. The fact that like all the monitors, it was like you never had to leave that no, room. No, like it was you. just. Um, you got a little slot so, for sandwiches to come through. <laughs> you know, you just spend your life on a toilet with a TV in front of you and and getting food delivered. That'd be you know that's my kind of life right there. Yeah, it's pretty good. But um, as he enters, a voice comes over the speakers and pretty much tells Bond, you know, hey, we were expecting you. Thanks for joining. Leave your gun there and come on in. Uh, so Bond you know, puts his gun down on the table and walks to the door and walks into this giant office. Where not one, but two Blowfields are waiting for him. That's right. Because he is not dead, like we thought. Blowfield this is entire not dead. Movie. So apparently... Little back and forth occurs. Blowfield was attempting to not clone, but make make a copy of himself with the first henchman in the beginning of the movie, which Bond stopped that from happening. But mm-hmm. Blowfield has continued to make more copies of himself. Yeah. So there's back and forth where both Blowfields are answering Bond's questions, just to trying to create a con- confusion for which mm-hmm. one's the real Blowfield. And the the one behind mm-hmm. the desk at one point uh, answers the phone with White's voice because he's using like a voice box mm-hmm. to change his voice and all that. Because uh, that was something else to kind of throw into the mix there to try and figure out which one's the real one, Absolutely. which one's not. <clears throat> so Bond proceeds and... to, to figure out which one's the real Blowfield by harming the one thing Bond knows Blowfield holds dear. Which I liked because he, he, I don't think he really purposely harmed the cat. He just kind of like more scared it. He than kicks anything. it. <laughs> I think he tries to. I think he like kicks the seat instead of the actual cat. Like he goes to like kind of startle the cat. So he like kicks the seat right next to the cat, like like inches away from the cat. And the cat like freaks out and like jumps off and runs. In my head, he kicks the cat. <laughs> okay, I'd have to rewatch it. I don't Either think way. he actually like. It, but anyway, it, it serves its purpose. The cat goes um, running from the chair. Yep, to the. To the Blowfield that is sitting on the couch, which Bond immediately pulls out a gun and kills it. Um, which, the best part was, it, it was the grappling hook gun. <laughs> he just, like, shot a grappling hook into his exactly. head. Exactly. It wasn't even a real gun. Um, the, real, the, the Blowfield behind the desk pulls out his gun on Blowfield and congratulates Bond on a great theory, but wrong cat. Because that cat then leaves the room and hisses at the actual cat with diamonds around its neck exactly. that comes in and sits on who is, the other Blowfield's who is Blowfield's the, the real Blowfield's cat mm-hmm. um, Blowfield proceeds to instruct Bond to go into an elevator where he is gassed and yep. the elevator goes down to the very bottom where he is met by the uh, creepy guys Mr. Wit and Mr. Kid who mm-hmm. take him into the middle of the desert and load him into a sewer pipe um, Bond Which... sleeps for a very long time apparently that gas knocks his ass out for like hours because they drop him off in the desert at night. And in the morning, there's this construction equipment going on. Nobody notices his body in the pipe. And Which is a small pipe. They bury the pipe and leave before Bond wakes up uh, underground in this pipe with his nice little mouse buddy. Which, um, 
I could be wrong. We might have to hit back on this later on in the movies, but wasn't there a similar scene in the Brosman movies where he was like stuck in a pipe like that or something? Or, or I might be flashing back to a, a wrong movie, but this uh, like I don't, I don't remember. I don't know. Like it, it seemed familiar as far as a different Bond movie, like later on. I think it's an like, air vent in the other one. I don't think it's a pipe. Maybe I don't remember. I, I I was thinking it was one of the the ski pipes or something yeah. in one of the Brosnan movies, but I could be wrong. Like I, I said, I haven't seen them in a long time. But like that's what I thought of when I saw this scene when mm-hmm. the uh, the robot thing comes in. I immediately thought of one of the Brosnan movies. Yeah. I don't know why. So we'll have to. Re- we'll see when uh, we get revisit there. this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bond is buried underground in inside this pipe. Awakens with the mouse. The mouse proceeds. They have a little conversation back and forth where Bond references. You stink, mouse, and then he smells himself, and it's like, actually, it's me. You yeah, know, it's because um, Bond, when he was kidnapped and thrown into the trunk of the car, Wits, aftershave or whatever, falls out of his pocket, and Bond lands on it, breaking it, and getting the aftershave yes. on his coat. Absolutely. And that's um, what Bond smells. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bond, you know, a robot a robot that's traveling down the pipe, presumably sealing the, the cracks or whatever, um, Bond jumps on top of it and shuts it down, causing the construction crew to come back out and check it out. They open the end of the pipe and out comes Bond. Yes. Um, Which I like because uh, when he leaves, I forget what he says. Uh, the guys come to open the door and he, yeah, I think he said something about it. like, I was walking my mouse and got lost Exactly. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was funny. I was like, oh. um, comp- th- that whole scene, though, man, was like completely unnecessary, though. Oh, no, it was. It was. Like, I mean, it was just kind of like scene. we tried to trap Bond in a tunnel that no one noticed him in this open tunnel before they put it into the ground and buried it. Yeah. And then, you know, they went to weld it shut with a robot. And instead, you know, Bond shorts it out. He gets out. Like, I get the purpose of him trying to be, you know, silenced or left to die, but instead it escapes. But, yeah, it was kind of a little overkill. Yeah, I mean, was, the guys that, like, the annoying different. thing is the two henchmen that ha- up up until this point in the movie have literally killed every person they've come across, choose for With some no reason problems. not to kill the one man that's most dangerous. Yeah. You know, instead, they choose to leave him in the desert. And I get it. Bond's the hero. I get it. But they mm-hmm. could have at least attempted to kill him and then Bond escape directly from them rather yes. than just throwing him in the desert. So I didn't really care for this scene too much. Um, no, it, it didn't make sense as far as the plot goes. No. But, I mean, I get it why it was there. No. Um, but Bond, anyway, Bond escapes the pipe. Um, and then we cut back to him with Q um, using the voice modulator to mimic one of Blofield's mm-hmm. colleagues. And he's calling Blofield. And they have a little conversation back and forth about your Bond, who, who I can't remember the name of the guy that he's impersonating. Um, saying, yeah, we saw James Bond at the casino, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's supposed to be his, because uh, I, I didn't write his name down and I forgot about it, but it's supposed to be like the, the guy who runs the casino, like his uh, white second in command Yeah. Um, that he's impersonating. Um, but then, because I, th- I forget what actually happens to him, like that character kind of comes and goes throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, as he's doing projects. So Bond impersonates him because he's technically second in command right underneath Blowfield, who, you know, he knows that Blowfield is really white or white is Blowfield and so on. Like mm-hmm. he, he's in on everything. Um, so that's where, or that's who Bond's is impersonating in this part of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
using Q's lovely machine that uh, he apparently makes for his kids, uh, you know, every year for Christmas. Absolutely. I thought it was pretty clever. Absolutely. You, know, you never know. A voice changer. Great <laughs> Christmas present. Um, Bond then proceeds to go to the pit house to find the real Mr. White, who has, you know, been not seen for five years, and is met by Bambi and Thumper. And I remember all this from TV shows, too. So, yeah. like, this is one of the movies I've seen bits and pieces over the years. And Bambi and Thumper are two very attractive females who proceeds to kick Bond's ass. With, like, gymnastic skills. Like, a whole bunch yes. of flips and then a kick. They alternate back and forth. They just beat the crap out of, out of Bond until they throw him into the pool and follow him. Because the one thing they didn't realize about Mr. Bond is Mr. Bond is an epic, epic pool fighter. He is, yes. He's been fighting in water since he was 12 years old. He he, he knows how to fight underwater. Um, so Bond proceeds to get the upper hand, Which, and it's literally yeah. one hand each holding these two women underwater um, <laughs> while while uh, Felix and friends show up. And he's like, do you know the location of Mr. White yet? And he's like, no. And then he lifts the woman's up, and they don't say anything. And he puts them back down and goes, still no. You know, it's, it's funny you mention that because up until now, I did – Completely didn't dawn on me that he is a naval commander. Yes. <laughs> Hence the fact that he does know how to fight in water. I just kind of, you know, oh, well, he's a spy. He knows how to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> completely forgetting. Yeah, he was probably trained in the water combat and, uh-huh. you know, interrogating but th- um, other people in water, too. But throughout, while holding their heads underwater, Thumper gives up the ghost and finally breaks free and gives away the location of Mr. White pointing down below. So Bond hops out, leaves Bambi and Thumper to lick their wounds, so to speak. And him and <laughs> Felix go down to meet with Mr. White, who seems pretty pretty chill about the whole situation, sees Bond's wet and be like, ah, oh, you met Bambi and Thumper, huh? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Um, <clears throat> then we have, there's a couple little back and forth things going on. The, um... As they leave, they get shot at, which uh, the CIA pretty much shoot the guy back. But I believe that was the number two guy that uh, Bond impersonated to talk to Blowfield about uh, White's uh, yes, location. Yes, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was the guy. He was the number two because after they shoot him, uh, the actual White guy was like, oh, fire him. And Bond just kind of looks at him like, uh, he's dead. Yeah. We fired him already. <laughs> <laughs> like, he doesn't say, um, but he just kind of looks at him like, um, are you even paying attention to what's going on right now? And then I believe we cut back to the casino where Tiffany is is talking with Q himself, who Q seems to have the best luck at slots that you've ever seen. He's just literally going from machine to machine, <laughs> winning. While, while Case is like trying to like interrogate, like, um, do they say anything about me? Um, yep. You know, can I be a good guy now? I don't want to go to jail. And yep. <laughs> and Q is just just winning at these slots. Until he finally reveals that he's got a secret decoder ring yes, that manipulates the RPMs of the slot machines so that he wins every time. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Q um, time. For Q time. Um, on uh, today's episode of Q time, we have a delightful little device for you. Um, it is called the, uh, the, the, the Vegas decoder ring. And for those of you at home that are in epic amounts of gambling debt or compulsive gamblers or just Vegas hounds in general, this is the device for you. This device will 
decode the RPMs or slow down the RPMs on any slot machine, guaranteeing you victory every single time. Will you probably get kicked out of the casino for cheating? Absolutely. But until you do, you may have the chance to recover your children's college fund that you blew playing the slots in Vegas last weekend. So, since we're only selling one device this, and this device is technically cheating, this is a one-time offer. You can only get this device for the next 48 hours, <laughs> submitting only 30 <laughs> credit card payments, 30 monthly payments of $19.95 each. You yourself can have your very own Vegas decoder ring and hopefully save your children's college fund before it's too late and your wife finds out and leaves you. Thank you for joining us for Q-Time. <laughs> Uh, well, while you're doing queue time, Case spots a uh, peculiar woman walking through the casino holding this white, fluffy, diamond-collared uh, cat. Absolutely. Peculiar. This and woman is also very follow. mannish in shape. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So she decides to follow out into the cabs trying to figure out where this woman went. Only to be thrown into another vehicle by a henchman. To find Blowfield, dressed as a lovely woman. Why? I ask you. Disguise. Again, why? <laughs> He's Blowfield. Like, his... It was not his strongest hour. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I thought it was a funny scene more than anything. I feel like this is the comic relief here towards the end of the movie. Yeah, but he's the big bad. He shouldn't be the comic relief. (laughs) I I agree with you. Another reason why the movie got, you know, the low points that it did in our ranking so far. But uh, I I thought it was funny, but it made no sense either. I figured he would just kind of take his private helicopter from the roof and leave. I don't know why he would dress up and go through the ground floor. (laughs) But anyway, uh, you unless are correct. the purpose was to draw someone else's attention to use for leverage, that's yes. the only other thing I can think of. But yeah, you are correct. Blowfield does take Blowfield takes Tiffany with him, and then we cut back to Willard White and Bond, at who were uh, at the old lab, and they're 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 in, investigating exactly what happened, what was the purpose of the satellite, where did it go, and we find out that it's being, as we speak, it's being put into orbit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's into <clears> orbit, <throat> but you know what? As it goes into orbit, NASA loses control of it. So it's presumably that Blowfield has control of this satellite, uh, which we find out is being used as a laser weapon using the diamonds as the lenses to blow up various nuclear arms across the globe. Um, Both, I think we see a scene of it blowing up one of the nuclear silos in North Dakota. We see it blowing up one of the Russian uh, missile submarines. We see it blowing up a Chinese um, fleet of weapons. This also reminds me of a, Bos- a Brosman Bond movie where they use some satellite to essentially heat ray and melt things. It's almost like we, we recycle some certain ideas throughout the Bond movies, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited <laughs> when we get back to the, the later Bonds because I'm, I'm starting to feel like this movie was just kind of remastered in the later Yeah, There are some movies. that we'll get to, and I'll mention it when we get to, when we get to them, but there are some later Bonds that are like essentially remakes of these earlier ones. Well, that's that's what I'm thinking because yeah. I'm I'm having deja vu with a completely different yeah. movie. Um, but anyway, uh, Bond, you know, Bond and and 
uh, Willard White essentially come to the conclusion that Blofield is held up on an oil rig in Baja, California, since Which the real great. Willard White does not remember owning any property in Baja, California, but it's on his but map. Yet it's on his map under the floor. Yes. But he hasn't been seen in like five years either. Exactly. So. Um, so we cut to Baja, California, um, where Blofield is doing some things, <laughs> talking to some people, <laughs> doing yeah. something on this oil rig. And then all of a sudden a plane flies over and drops his orb out of the freaking plane. <laughs> Which I love because it's just a random um, blow up hamster ball. Just a giant just starts silver rolling, hamster ball. Yep. Rolling towards the dock. And just so happens to roll in the exact right location. Oh, yeah. Right direction. Right into their little port area where a boat would go. Yep. And I mean, as far as I could tell, there was no windows on this thing. There, You don't even know who's in it until it unzippers. <laughs> Rolls. Like, so, the direction is perfect. <laughs> this Zorb rolls right into it. It's unzipped by the henchman, and there's Bond, who's immediately taken into custody by the henchman. Oh, yeah. So, the absolute worst arrival <laughs> that Bond could have possibly <laughs> made. <laughs> I think that was kind of the whole point. Like, they knew he was coming. Yeah. Um, Bond arrives on the rig and realizes that Tiffany's there, too, Sun basking on the top of the oil rig because when you're taken mm-hmm. prisoner, there's always time to keep your skin nice and toned. Oh, it's true. It's very true. Um, then we cut to a conversation between Bond and Blofield, where Bond, you know, Blofield discovers that Bond has a, a tape with hidden. him. Yeah, a, a hidden tape. Which uh, they, um, through this little monologue or like collage leading up to this, they realize that that tape is um, got the controls on it to operate the satellite, essentially. Yes. And yes. so Bond tried to smuggle in a fake tape to try and swap out the real tape with this fake tape to try and gain control back or pre- at least prevent it from constantly blowing stuff up around the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is, I forget what it was, but it was a very interesting music that was playing. Yeah. Um, so Bond, you know, the bond, the tape's taken from Bond and left on the desk of Blofeld. Um, Blofeld brings Bond with him uh, down to basically show him his Grandmaster plan uh, Tiffany's in the room as well and asks if she can go as well. She can go too, um, but not before sneaking the tape from Blofeld's desk back into Bond's hand. Yep. Um, Blofeld reveal, reveals his grand plan that he is targeting Washington D.C. Um, for ransom, as he's known to do in every single movie. You know, he really just wants money and 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 pristine and clout, if you will. So he's targeting Washington, D.C. Uh, throughout this, Bond slyly swaps the tapes by... Cleverly, too. I like how he just like hits... He's like, oh, so if someone like does this and hit the button and the tape just sticks out, well, that would be a problem? Cleverly, but not cleverly, because why on earth <laughs> would you, as the Grandmaster Plan bad guy, let Bond freely walk around... <laughs> in, in, yeah, in the control room. In the control room. Knowing that he had had something with him that you could have that that could have stopped your plan, and it just so happens he's messing with that same thing. You would yeah. think now, you would that you would figure something out rather than Mister Bond. Please put that tape back in. I'd have been like, no, Bond, well, you step I, the fuck back, or I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to put the <laughs> tape in myself to make sure it's the right goddamn tape. <laughs> you know, you would think. You would but think. I, I guess at this point, you know. <sighs> Blowfield not realizing that uh, Case is still helping Bond, that she's now on his side because you know he's the better henchman and she just doesn't want to get herself in trouble. Um, I guess 
Blowfield assumes that the tape is still on his desk, not realizing that Bond had already got Absolutely. it and cleverly swapped it. So, I mean, I, I thought it was a kind of a neat scene mm-hmm. on the spy tactic side of it, where it's a you know sleight of hand, swap the tapes. I mean, you know, clearly putting the tape back without it was, showing. Yeah, that it was, it was swapped, using but... one, using one of the slyly swap techniques that we do like to see, but it made Blowfield look like a freaking moron. <laughs> it really did, especially since he's like the number one head yeah. of Spectre all the way up to now. Yeah, he's not he's not living up to um, his uh, his resume. Right exactly. Now. But after Bond swaps the tapes, he is taken away by the goons um, to as, be searched again. Too. To be searched again as he's being mm-hmm. taken away. He he hands off the, the 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 real tape to Tiffany, but she's unbeknownst to her, she thinks this is the fake one again because she, she didn't see the swap. After because yep. she walks into the room and swaps the tapes back, um, which Bond refers to her uh, refers to her as an idiot. She she comes out and tells Bond like you know I swapped the tapes or something. She's like you swapped the wrong tape, damn it! Yeah, you, you put know? the real one back. You bitch! I think he actually says you bitch. I, I um, something like that, yeah. Uh, but anyway. Felix and the helicopter squadron are approaching um, very, very quickly. The uh, oil rig opens up all of these anti-air weapons and everything start coming out. And we have an epic helicopter attack ensuing um, with a five-minute countdown being announced. Five minutes until the laser is launched on Washington, D.C. That's right, because as he's leaving... um he pretends to tie his shoe and uh, lets off a red balloon as yes. a signal. Yes. And which I thought was kind of uh, clever on Felix's side of it because, you know, they're like, hey, there's a, there's a red balloon here. Do you think that's the, uh, the, the signal? And Felix just goes into this story of like, well, high pressure, this and this and that. And that so there's no reason why the balloon should be flying at this altitude. And this and that. So yeah, that's gotta be him. I'm like, really? You have a red balloon in the middle of nowhere. You didn't need to, that's you, not yeah. the signal. You didn't need what all those is? descriptors, Felix. Yeah. Stick um, with the girly glasses. What, what I love is, like, as the balloon flies off, one of the henchmen's like, oh, he's trying to send a balloon signal. I should stop him. With a machine gun to shoot a balloon in the air, and Bond just pushes it as the gun's going off. I'm like, really? And that causes Bond <laughs> to to escape. Um, he is attempting to uh, escape, however, underneath the oil rig, swinging from cable to cable like a monkey man for some strange reason. Um, that's how he's attempting to escape. Uh, Tiffany goes and switches the tapes back to, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the correct one while Blowfield or no, I think she attempts to switch the tapes. She back, tries but to, she fails but she makes to. it so obvious that Blow, yes. like right in front of Blowfield, the Blowfield literally just stares at her like, and this is where you kind of see props back to Blowfield because he realizes that there's no threat because she doesn't even know how to eject the tape that she supposedly yeah. just did. And this is, like, the second time, so she should know what button hit, and she's, like, kind of fumbling with it. Like, how do you get the tape out? Like, you just did it. How yeah. do you not know? Um, um, and Blowfield are just kind of staring at her, like, um, you kind of have a little extra showing in your bikini there, because that's where she was hiding the tape. And it's like, yeah, you're not doing a good job, you know, replacing the tape. Can you just just get out? Just get out. <laughs> just, just leave. Go go to the prison, whatever, yep. room with Bond. Just get out of here. So she's taken away by Goon 1 and 2, and as soon as they walk out of there, something explodes, and immediately she's Yeah, freed. the helicopter started attacking. Yeah, she's... Get both of those. She's the freed guards. from the henchmen. Um, Blowfield is attempting to escape via mini-sub, um, but not before Bond takes control mm-hmm. of the crane that is lifting the mini-sub into the or putting the mini sub into the water and proceeds to bring him back up the whole time while Blowfield is bitching in the mini sub. 
I'm sorry. I know this is the comic relief part of it of the movie that made you know, like no sense because mm-hmm. it, it switched to a comedy action towards the end of this movie. But I was laughed hysterically during the scene. Just the, the actor playing Blowfield in this scene in the submarine. Yeah. Just the way he was presenting himself was great. What are you doing? You, yeah. you, you idiot! Put me down! Put me down! Not back up! Put me down. like I was just laughing when this whole scene went on. Like I, I'm like. Meanwhile, I think Bond was laughing. Like, oh, yeah. you see him in the controls, like, hey, I don't know what this thing's doing, but this is kind of funny. And then, like, he turns him into a wrecking ball. He turns but him into a wrecking ball. Blowfield um, in that sub, that all of that scene of him in that sub was hysterical. Um, almost as funny as, you know, Bond telling Case to grab the gun on the ground, and she goes to give it to Bond while he's trying to figure out the controls. He's like, yo, shoot the three guys coming at yep. us down there. Meanwhile,. The helicopters come by, take these guys out before she even looks at the gun to pull the trigger at nobody and proceeds to backwards yeah, into the water, proceeds to shoot herself backwards, falling, <laughs> falling and over then, the side of the oil rig. And then it's like a good minute or so later, Bond's like, quit and jump off the, she's not even there. Yep. She's already gone. Yep. <laughs> He's like, Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, there's a quick scene with a random dude who's his whole job is to be the voiceover actor for movies where he goes one minute left. (laughs) Yeah. That guy, that guy, he was in there for some reason. He had his six seconds of fame. Um, (laughs) Blowfield sub is then used as a wrecking ball into the control center to stop the countdown. And the whole facility seems to explode. And that's it. We're done. We're now on a cruise ship. We're all done. We you cut. Know, Felix is like, goodbye, see you later, M, I'll let M know you're on your way, and Bond's like, tell him we took the long way. Yep. Meanwhile, White's like, oh, let me know if you guys are having fun, I'll tell the cruise guy to go around in circles. Yep. Like, All right, White, thanks. Yep, Bond and Tiffany are taking a cruise back to jolly old England, but mm-hmm. creepy guy one and two, Mr. Witt also and Mr. Kid, also on the boat, as they are prone to show up everywhere. In this movie, I don't. What's the point now? Because if if everyone who's you know been head of this operation is gone or caught or dead or whatever, what is their purpose? Who are they reporting to now? Well, you know they're completionists, you know, and and okay. they they've still got two people left on their list that they were assigned to kill and didn't kill. Yeah. Um, so you know, props for completionism there. I, I I guess. Yeah, their record's not clean. You know, so the creepy guys are there as well. They attempt an assassination attempt, posing as a sommelier and a another vendor mm. um by putting I mean, a bomb in a cake um bond realizes to cook them yeah bond realizes <laughs> that this is all fake because the uh mr kid or mr wit whichever one of them it is knows um, nothing wit. knows nothing about wine and he recognizes yes, and the, the smell the of the aftershave. cologne as well or aftershave um and a fight ensues where Mr. Whoever's messing with the cake decides to light Kid. kebabs on fire and slowly walk towards Bond in a very <laughs> like stab him like just kebab style. creepy fashion until Bond kicks Breaks. him and then he no, catches Bond, on fire. Um, <laughs> no, so what happened was, because I, I laughed at this scene because it made no sense. It was more comical, again, relief than it was a fight scene. Um, so Kid, who was cooking the food, lights these just kebabs on fire and starts to come after him while Wit is trying to, uh, he throws his chain around and is choking Bond. So as he's choking Bond, Kid's coming over to essentially stab Bond with two shish kebabs that are on fire. Walking uh, in the most strange <laughs> pose possible. <laughs> yeah, and super slow too. Yeah. Not fast at all. It's like the, Bond's... I'm gonna get you. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm yes. gonna get you. So Bond 
while trying to pull the chain off from around his neck that uh, Wits got him in a chokehold, grabs, I think it's the wine bottle or, or something, breaks it, and whatever's still left in the bottle throws at That's Kid. That's right. And, and he, essentially lights him on fire because it hits the flame and shiska box. Yep, he combusts so into he flame. then he then falls overboard into the water. Yep. And then he proceeds to... Um, Tiffany, what, Tiffany I, I throws the... he tries to get the chain off. Yeah, he, Tiffany, well, Tiffany throws, throws the, the cake, cake distracting which him. Which is the bomb. Yeah, distracting him, which Bond allows... You know, which allows Bond to get out of the chain, chain throat hold. Um, yep. And then... Proceeds does to this, does a weird pulling the dude's arms underneath of him, putting the bond like between his, his legs, between yep. his legs, and then flipping him over the boat where he explodes midair with the bomb. Now, now um, remind you. So this kind of flip it reminds me of like when you have the little kid that can't do a flip by themselves, and you 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 know it's that yeah. one where the parent tries to help the kid do yeah. the front flip easily. So it's like all right. You know, put your hands between your legs, and then essentially the parent you know, reaches under and grabs her hands, but also grabs her legs, them, yeah. picks them up, and f- helps them do the flip, making yeah. it easier for him. That is literally what Bond does to this guy, flipping him over the water with the bomb. It explodes midair on the way to the water, and that's it. Bye-bye, henchman. Yep. Um, because he left with his, uh, I think he said he left with his tails between his legs or something. something. Like I that. can't remember what yeah, the bomb was. Yeah, there's one final, one final quip, and then we cut to credits. Yeah, and I don't even, to be honest, I don't even think it was a good one. No. But the funny thing is, before we even get to the credits, um, of course, Case and Bond were having this little, I don't want to say heart-to-heart conversation, but kind of were before Kid and Wit came in, and Case had this really important question to, to ask Bond. Uh, now that everything's over, and they're heading back, you know, and you know, there was something really important she wanted to ask him. And you kind of start feeling the little connection there, and then Bond, you know, after this all takes place and bond's like oh yeah what did you want to ask me she's like looks up and she's like how are we gonna get those diamonds down yeah yeah from the and then he just kind of looks at her and looks up and just kind of smiles and then we go to credits like okay so it's not like uh what are we gonna do now are we gonna get married are we gonna you know live our lives happily it's how are we getting those diamonds down like that i'll give it props to an ending that's a not sexy time ending um, not like heartbreaking ending, but that's kind of a comical ending because I'm kind of curious how those diamonds are coming back down now too. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That's it. That's, that's diamonds are credits. forever. Uh, credits roll. We finish at the end with the end of diamonds. Like literally, end, the end of diamonds are forever. James Bond will return in Live and Let Die, which is our next Bond movie and the first Roger Moore movie. I'm excited. I don't really remember much of Roger Moore's Bond, so I'm excited to get back into a new Bond. Because, I mean, we we talked about Lazenby and a different Bond, and it was out there, it was different. Mm -hmm. But I'm excited to get into the next block of Bond, uh, to see the next couple of movies with the same Bond actor through on, see how he holds his role through multiple movies. Yeah, we'll have to wait wait to compare him to the other two until we finish with him, though. So we have a chance to get to know him. We do, yes. We can hit on his acting skills as it goes on, but I don't think we can really review him until his his block is done. Uh, Which we talked about in the beginning, how we were going to rate the Bonds towards Mm -hmm. the end anyway. Uh, But I am excited to see him as a new one. But that being said, that is the end of the movie. It is time for our favorite part of this uh, review. And that is trivia time it's trivia 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 time Da-da-da. because of sir sean connery's high fee the special effects budget was significantly scaled back 
Connery was reported to have been paid $1,250,000 to return as James Bond, a figure that was unheard of in those days. I know I mentioned that at the oh, very yeah. beginning, um, but that's part of the reason there was less special effects in this one than there have been in previous movies. Um, this is the second of three James Bond title songs sung by Dame Shirley Bassey, the others being Goldfinger, which she also mm-hmm. sang, and she will go on to sing Moonraker, Moonraker theme song in 1979. <coughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. To date, is the only singer to have performed a Bond title song more than once. Nice. Um, Sir Sean Connery made most of his time on location in Las Vegas. Um, quote, I didn't get the chance to sleep at all. We shot every night. I caught all the shows and played golf all day. On the weekend, I collapsed. Boy, did I collapse. Like a skull with legs. He also <laughs> played the slot machines and once delayed a scene because he, had, he, he was late, late because he was collecting his winnings. So Bob, you know, Sean Connery apparently loved filming in Vegas. That's awesome. Um, until Spectre in 2015, this is the last James Bond movie made by Eon Productions to officially use the Spectre criminal organization or the villain character Blowfield. Um, the name Spectre is not mentioned at all in this movie. <clears throat> um, apparently Blowfield is operating, you know, without Spectre in, the, in this film, which seems to be the case. He's operating by himself. Well, I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, essentially... Up until now, however you want to put the movies in order, even with or without the Lazenby movie, mm-hmm. Spectre was pretty much diminished as Bond worked his way through the organization. So, yeah. I mean, you could say that essentially the organization fell apart. And if you want to wrap this up as the end of Connery's block of Bond movies pretty much. in relation to each other. Yeah. Um, director Guy Hamilton, and this goes with why every single driver in this movie is an awful... <laughs> Awful driver of vehicles. Director Guy Hamilton did not like big American cars and took particular delight in trashing them at any opportunity, thus explaining the movie's <laughs> numerous car chase scenes and numerous crashes. That makes so much more sense. Absolutely. Here I thought they had bad driving schools out and um, everywhere. After the disappointing box office performance of On Her Majesty's Secret Service in the U.S., although it was a hit in other parts of the world, the producers of this movie went all out to win back American audiences. This partly explains why the bulk of the film is set in the U.S., specifically Vegas, some you know the American cars, everything. Um, Ian Fleming's book, source novel, does take place in Las Vegas, but isn't as nearly American-focused as, as the movie is. Um, do, 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 do. Makes a little bit more sense now mm-hmm. when you mentioned that in the beginning. Um, Desmond Llewellyn confesses that the RPM controller that Q uses to cheat the slot machines was the one 007 gadget that he wish actually worked in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the movies, all the Q gadgets, that's the one he wished it actually worked in real life. That, that's awesome. Um, Origi- I did like his appearance more in that oh, movie, Oh, absolutely, too. absolutely. Um, originally, this had been planned as a revenge movie after after the, um, the end of Lazenby. George Lazenby's performance. Um, Bond mourning his dead wife, Tracy, and vowing revenge on Bluefield. However, with George Lazenby's departure from the role, the script was completely rewritten, and there's no mention of Tracy or her death at all affecting Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first movie not to use the villain from the novel. Um, this movie features Blowfield as the villain, whereas the novel's villains were the Spang brothers. Um, hmm. But Wit and Kid were both, you know, from the movie were also in the novel as well. 
Gotcha. Um, despite being the main henchman of the film, Mr. Went and Mr. Kid never share a scene with Blofeld. They're never on screen together. That is true. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I mentioned it. I mean, they were always. That's why I was like, they always seem to be working for someone, but they never really say who. It always seems like it, the people they're working for is different. It just seems like their job was to follow the the diamonds and clean yeah, up after. They're just the cleaners. They just yeah. They just the cleaners to follow the mm-hmm. diamonds. It doesn't matter who touched them. It was almost like they were the diamond protectors. And final fit trivia fact for this film: This is the final Bond movie in which he is seen wearing a hat during the gun barrel sequences. Um, starting with Sir Roger Moore in Live and Let Die, which is the next film. The sequence is filmed without wearing a hat, and that tradition continues to this day. You know, I never picked up on that, um, but now that you mention it, I don't ever remember a hat in the later movies. Mm-hmm. It ends with um, this one. And that makes sense then. Yep. And, and that's, that's trivia time. That is trivia time. So that being said, we are now at the part of this review that uh, Eric and I were talking about beforehand because this was a uh, not really a hard one, but we had an uh, interesting conversation about where we were going to do our rankings in this movie. Uh, and with that being said, let's do our previous movie rankings. Eric, we'll start there. Yes. The James Bond franchise in review is as follows. Number one, From Russia With Love. Number two, You Only Live Twice. Number three, Thunderball. Number four, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number five, Goldfinger. And number six, Dr. No. Dr. No. With that being said, we now have to rate this this movie. And I'm just going to go out there strongly and say number one, Eric. We're going to put it number one above Russia with Love. Absolutely. It is the best Bond movie <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. This will probably yeah, be no. number one forever. <laughs> Poor um, audience, no. don't listen to that. We're, no. We are joking. I'm messing no. with Eric. We, not at uh, all. Not a chance. We, not a chance is this like movie this better movie than, 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 than as, From Russia With um, We initially thought going into it. Not saying it's a bad movie because there is no bad Bond movie as we've talked about. There are some poorer quality Bond yeah. movies as this is one of them. Um, yeah. The the Bond movies are meant to be meant to be fun and entertaining and action movies and th- and this one holds up to that so it is still very much a Bond movie, um, but at least for me as I told jo- Jordan before we started mm-hmm. recording, this one was a bit too campy for me, and yep. for lack of better phrasing, a bit too American, you know it's it it, it struggled between that being a comedy, uh, a comedy. It was never quite a good action no, it, movie, n- nor a good comedy. It it seemed and, um, to try and be good at both. When we talked about that earlier on, I, um, I agree that this movie, although I thought it was a good movie, the more I thought about like uh, the Rankins and the other movies, to me it didn't hold up as as good of as a Bond movie as it was just a regular movie. Like a movie by itself, it was pretty funny. It was pretty good mm-hmm. and had its moments. But as far as a Bond movie, we look at like the different the tactics that Bond uses, the the feel of the movie, the interaction between him and the villains, and it was more on the comical side than uh, we originally mm-hmm. thought it was going to be. And the fact that the feel of the movie went from, you know, hardcore revenge in the beginning to uh, who knows what's going on in the middle to just another mission to comic a- uh, action in the end the movie was kind of all over the place there was a lot of jumping and it just didn't have that strong yeah. 
um, Bond feel that has held up in the other movies. I mean, yes, it was Bond. <clears throat> yeah, there was I mean, no the, consistent. The were all over there the place, was no which consistent. Which is typical in Bond movies. The car chases, some of the fighting scenes, they were kind of there in places they didn't need to be. Um, and it just it, the movie didn't feel mm-hmm. like like you said as Bondy as it should. It was more of just an American action comedy, which, like you said in yeah. trivia, was the focus to try and win back the American audience, which, whether it did or not, is besides the point. As far as the Bond ranking that we go by at the end of this movie, uh, it puts it a little bit lower on the list because it, it is still a good Bond movie. It was still you know good seeing Connery back in the role one more time, especially after the last one. Uh, the hardest part for me was looking at the jump with the Lazenby movie as far as following the movies through the series. Uh, whether it leaves from um, You Only Live Twice straight into this one, this still didn't feel like that closer Bond movie that it needed to be after uh, You Only Live Twice. Even with Lazenby's um, On Her Majesty's Ser- Secret Service taken completely out as a one-off movie and you just jumped from you only live twice to this movie it didn't feel to uh to me like it was that impactful end to the bond block of connery that it needed to be i feel like it was just a no no it was just it's no, off it was not a not like a strong end. bond separate movie um both as far as villains which we're going to get into yeah. the next villain review bond movie and everything so with that it is not at mm-hmm. number one this week guys i'm sorry guys and girls i should say or audience. No. I th- I think it goes without saying based on based on both you know, both Jordan's and, and mine's impression uh, impressions that we that we've talked about that this one mm-hmm. after some after some debate it this is one the is new our bottom new of the list. Number 7. Um which I at first didn't agree with but the more the I thought about it when list. I started thinking about Dr. No uh, I kind of liked some of the Bond qualities in Doctor No more so than this one. Yes, this one had some cool special effects. It had some new, at this time, age um, editing and lighting and higher production, new technology, stuff that was kind mm-hmm. of put into the movie to draw the audience in. All great, but I felt like when it did that, it pulled away from the traditional Bond story and the, I don't want to say the script, but the, like the beginning to end movie flow that it needed to. And I think it relied too much on the. Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't. It just wasn't as good of a. It just wasn't as good of a Bond movie as the others. That's really. That's what it comes down to. Is like it. It was a fun movie. It was fine. Um, but it was not as good of a Bond movie as as the rest. That's really what it came down to. We are in. Um, so with that said, Jordan. Yes, we are now in uh, the Bond villains. So currently, our rating number one: Goldfinger and Oddjob. Number two. Number two. <laughs> love it. Um, yes. Number three, so the Spectre General in red, uh, again from from Russia with Love. The number four is mm-hmm. number one, a.k.a. Blowfield, head of Spectre, but from the movie, you only live twice. Number five <laughs> is Dr. No. And number six is Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Now yes. we have Blowfield again. Different actor, different Blowfield <laughs> altogether. Not part of Spectre, but is. We don't know in this movie that needs to be put on this list. And although I'm not going to joke around and put him at number one, I do have a serious conversation, uh, or let me put it this way, uh, Eric, this is what we need to decide is where he fits towards the 
mid to bottom of this list. We agreed that I, we liked Dr. No. I think we talked about earlier as a little bit better villain than this Blowfield. But I feel like this Blowfield should be above Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And the only reason why I would put him at a higher ranking, because I kind of feel like they're close. This He didn't feel like a villain in this movie. He just kind of feel like yeah. the arch nemesis, where they're kind of back and forth, back and forth, but didn't feel like the evil villain that we saw Blowfield be as head of Spectre in You Only Live Twice. And obviously, in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the, the Blowfield there wasn't really a great Blowfield either, as far as a menacing villain. No, um, but he was more, definitely more menacing than this. Yes, one. I will say that. Yeah. He was probably a little bit more menacing than this Blowfield. I do like the craftiness of this Blowfield. Like, the actor who played him did a great job of playing the character. I will give him that. That being said, um, the craftiness as far as the villain goes with the the multiple secret identities and how mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to phase him when Bond's like secretly taking him out and he's just kind of a little bit more of a serious role to it like you can tell he's an experienced villain but the only yeah. reason why I would rank him higher is if I throw Kid and Wit into the, the field because I feel like the they mix. were good villains in this movie although yeah. they, were they were out there they were, they were comic relief but I would give you that if it was just Blowfield versus Blowfield I would put no. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Blowfield ahead, um, but with 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 Kid and Wit, I would I would put the, put him ahead of the other Blowfield. I wouldn't put him ahead. Of no, Dr. no, Matt. definitely not, definitely not. Um, but again, yeah. this is one of those movies where you feel that the main villain, I mean, obviously isn't revealed to the end, which is just happens to be Blowfield again. But Kid and Wit have that almost like red in um, From Russia with Love. Like he's throughout the movie yeah. as the villain, but he's not the main villain. But he should be kind of part of the villainry. Um, and I kind of like having Kid and Wit in the villain list. I mean, he's no odd job, yeah. he's no red. Uh, but I, I feel like they should at least deserve after the role of this movie. They should deserve some part on the uh, review. I would give you that. I I, I think I think I, th- I think they'd be they'd be number six. Okay, so we're in agreement there. Is number six. So. Yeah. That now brings us to our new one through seven uh, bond and review villain list. One Goldfinger and Oddjob. Number two is number two. Uh, number three is the Spectre General in Red from uh, from Russia with Love. Number four is number one, aka Blowfield, head of Spectre from You Only Live Twice. And I word it that way because that's when he's revealed as number one Blowfield. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Five Doctor No. Number six is now the Blowfield from Diamonds Diamond Far Forever. Forever. Yes. And Kid and Wit. Yes. And then number seven at the bottom of the list is the Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And that is yes. that is our villain in review list. That is our bond in review list. That is the end of Diamonds Are Forever, the end of the Sean Connery block. We are now moving on to the next chapter in the franchise. Yes, Bond will return with Roger. Moore. Yes, in uh, Live and Let Die. Live and, live and yeah, Let Die. It. I, yes, I, I know I wrote it down, I just forgot what it was there. So with that being said, uh, we hope, again, everyone enjoyed this Bond in review. And I guess, Eric, do you want to do the closing remarks? I'll take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, if you liked what you listened to on this episode of Bond in Review, hopefully you've been following us and watching the movies along. Um, but if you like what you listen to, don't forget you can follow us on any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Hoodoo Presents. 
the best way to get a hold of us, best way to share your ranking list with us as well. Let us know how incompetent you thought this Blowfield was. <laughs> or let us know how comic relief-y uh, Kid and Wit were. Or let us know if Diamonds Are Forever was your favorite of the Bond franchise. That's okay, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, as I say, it was a good movie. It just, in our ranking, the way we've been ranking our movies lately, it just didn't hold up in our it standards. It wasn't as good of a, um, it, was, it was a good movie. It was not a good Bond yeah, movie. It, and that's what we look at. There is no bad Bond movie, but there are some better than others, in our opinions. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, with that, we hope everyone enjoys. Um, we'll, we'll see you next week with uh, Live and Let Die. Oh, and this is Jordan and Eric again. Till next week, guys. Let the credits roll. <laughs>